Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 623 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with the as ever. And coming up on the show, Henry Blofeld, OBE, and Dame Zandra Rose talk about keeping our minds active as we get older. Andrew Collins will be along to talk about our favourite genres when it comes to watching films on the big and the small screen. We'll be having an hour with Peter Chand all about Festival at the Edge, which is on the way in July, and a great storytelling and music event not too far away from us here. We will be hearing from Mikey Stewart about how Scare Track are following what's going on when it comes to the brilliant scare attractions across the UK that are starting to open up again. Adam Millichip lets us know about the TWS Sports Podcast and we talk charity fundraising too. That's all on the way here on the show this week. of over 50 strongly agree maintaining mental and physical health is one of the most important things as you head into old age. Two sprightly young things who may be a little bit senior in years are Henry Blofeld, OBE, and Dame Zandra Rhodes, fashion designer. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. How's it all going? Because we've seen you on uh, some fantastic television of late, exploring old age and the potential of retiring in India. Tell us more about your two worlds, please. Sandra, go on, you go first. Oh, well, I mean, during COVID, I've been holed up in my rainbow penthouse on the top of the Fashion Textile Museum that um, I founded. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually enjoyed every minute of it, and I've had more work than I've ever had. Wonderful. I've been been holed up, actually, in in darkest Norfolk, um, quite a long way from anywhere, which has been lovely to the extent that one can, uh, you know, go for walks and things like that. Um, I felt at the time that boredom was more likely to get me than COVID, but um, I weathered that. I then started to uh, read lots of the books that I had not read and began to doubt that I ever would, which was wonderful. (laughs) And I wrote two books. I wrote my first children's book Mm. and I wrote another cricket book. And I kept myself, like Sandra, very, very occupied. I think the first lockdown actually was easier because the weather was marvellous last year. And not only that, but there was something novel about lockdown. It was rather exciting. We'd never done it before. But the last <laughs> lockdown, I thought, got, got really rather grey, like the weather, and depressing, like the rain. Um, however, we've come through it, Sandra and I. Um, she is designing these wonderful clothes, and I, I wear colours too. To try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want her to have it all her own way. So, Sandra, then, have you got anything in mind to design for Henry's wear? Do you think that you could come up with a, a outfit that could impress with, with him? Oh, I don't know. I was saying to him he should have some of my happy socks, and he said, oh, no, I don't wear socks, so I'm going to get his lovely wife to wear them instead. <laughs> but, I mean, I've just been totally busy with all sorts of things for stuff for Ikea, designing a new bed for Savoir. So I've been keeping myself busy and learning how to project on a TV screen for Goldster. Designing a new bed, that sounds rather naughty. Well, that's rather <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> 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 Valeria. 
Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're with you you mentioned goals for there and they're helping those who are over 50 uh, you know so get a whole load of new skills get involved and keep mentally and physically active and i mean when we saw you on the real marigold hotel i mean henry you in particular i mean you you really went for it on there and do you you don't seem to let things hold you back well no i mean i never have done it but i mean why not I, i've always been curious i've always been full of energy I've always wanted to know the answer. I like meeting people. I like going to new places. I like new things. I find every day produces new things for me and I, I want to go and tackle them and get acquainted with them. And I think this is fun. And this is what is fun with Goldstar. You are meeting, I know probably on, on the screen rather than face to face, new people, you're trying to inject some of your own enthusiasm into them. But the people aren't sitting back, they're making, They've, they've made an attempt and they've come to Goldster to see all the different things that are available. That's absolutely right, yes. Mm -hmm. Sandra, I mean, you, you've met a fair few people in your time from all sorts of backgrounds when it's come to fashion designing, uh, that with the likes of the yeah, Princess Diana, Freddie Mercury, a lot of names. And is it is it the same sort of experience you get when you're meeting new people on Goldster as it is to meeting some of these celebs when you're designing for them? I think meeting people all together is an exciting thing because you never know what the questions are going to be. Mm -hmm. You never know what's going to occur. And mine, first of all, believe it or not, I mean, Henry's got such a plomb. I mean, I was, I, I had a lovely customer on Gold to say, don't be so nervous. So I was very nervous when I first started. So I've had to learn to relax to tell them about my stuff. I get nervous too, actually, funnily enough. You, you, well, you hide it. Well, <laughs> I, I, I does say that's yes, you do. But I do, when I start something for the first time, I mean, actually, this morning when we came in here, I wasn't quite certain what we were going to do. And I right. thought, well, now, you know, I, I was not exactly nervous, but I was, as the French say, on the key vive. I was on my toes just to sort of, you know, to think I was going, no, it's great fun. I mean, it's wonderful to, to be working yeah. again with Sandra. Um, but I, I think, I think uh, with Goldster, the great fun, fun thing is that one is helping people to live their lives. And I think lots of people who got into rather a groove seeing us uh, perform in our individual ways. What's right? They get themselves out of the group. Absolutely. You know? they, they sort of see what we're doing and they think, aha, maybe we could do this too. Maybe uh, we can ask questions, um, you know, and look around corners and all, all the rest of it. Exactly. And I think it's, it, it's sort of mutually beneficial. And I think it is beneficial to us because it gives us a new, a, a slightly new horizon. Brilliant. I wish I thought of that phrase myself. <laughs> now, I want to ask you one thing. Have you, are you, have you ever thought of writing a book about, about um, uh, the people you, you've met? Or is, is that going to be well, too near just, a kiss and tell? Someone was just, well, I don't know about a kiss and tell, but someone was just coming to me saying they'd like me to do some memoirs. So I've got to try and fit that in, in, in amongst... <laughs> In amongst happy socks and Ikea and everything like that. So you want another lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> It, it is having time and and i have to say i, I love your happy socks i i regularly uh, have a pair for christmas which you always and it, it's uh, socks aren't for half a life they're not just for christmas aren't they <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, uh, unless you're henry and he's you know uh he's too busy uh, being out and about to uh, to have time to even wear socks but uh so well, we, of the things that goals to have available if we know you get your first month free 9.99 for that but there are all sorts of courses and classes on there have you tried tai chi either of you i have to admit that i haven't tried the exercise one since i i i've i've i enjoyed a book one 
and I had a, and there was a fabulous painting class that I I had a look at because I I first of all I, I I mean I'm having a normal working day this is fitted in I mean I've been very lucky that during this lockdown I've had continuous work and Goldster is one of them and I've I've been enjoying trying to think about what people need to know about me what will interest them you know to mm -hmm. to make them want to come and join my class why do you think you've been so busy in lockdown do you think there's a, there must be a reason for this well, maybe they like maybe my design. Well, no, no, no. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me sound awfully rude, doesn't it? Saying that how awful Sandra. No, what I was meaning was, do you think? I mean, I mean, uh, people had more time, perhaps, to think. And one of the things they thought about more was their wardrobe because they were there and they thought more Although about. Although they can't go out, you've got to think that now people can't. can't uh, well, they've only just started to go out again. They so might have thought not. they want to be like a time bomb. So when they do go out, they're going to display all the lovely things that you make. Right. Or I like the idea that people can think that they don't have to get. I think we've got to think in terms of the world, not not um, you can't always just have new. You can have bits of new that make you feel exciting, you know, like happy socks can go with an old outfit or you don't always have to be spending money all the time. So I think you've got things like how you can make your wardrobe feel refreshed mm -hmm. so that you're not always spending money or what went into the designs themselves. This is what's so exciting is trying to think what people will want to know about me or you on this program. Isn't it funny the way, the way in which I know exactly what you mean about the little things, <laughs> little things for me are scarves. Wherever I go, I look, I look at scarves. Morning, all bright well, orange with his scarf. I always look at scarves. <laughs> and the old thing is, I'm slightly colorblind. So Valeria, my wife, has to be with me. And I say, like, in the morning, I, 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 I sort of call her in and say, look, darling, can, can I wear this? Can I wear that? And she usually says it's OK. At the time, she said, the scarf I first wore this morning, she wouldn't allow me that one. Oh. <laughs> as long as you're getting checked before you leave the house and you join your Gold Star classes. So where do we go for more information and to see you two in action? Well, I mean, goldstar.com gold goldstar is, is how you get hold of us on Gold Star. And, and you can have trial class first. You don't have to be paying immediately. No, you don't. You have a, you have a free month, and then I think you pay nine ninety nine a month, don't you? you know. I think that's what what how it, how it goes. And um, so a free free month, and that is excellent. And then if you work it out at nine ninety nine a month, it means that each it's session costs well. you, I think. I'm right in saying for the huge sum of four p. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. the way to do it. Value for money, as you two are absolutely every time. Goldster, G O L D S T E R, is the spelling. Check it out. But for now, Henry Blofeld, OBE, and Dame Zandra Rhodes, thank you both for joining us. Great pleasure. It's been terrific, I think. <laughs>on the 16th through to the 18th of July the festival at the edge is going to bring some wonderful storytelling to life to tell us more somebody who's a real life storyteller peter chand hello sir hi jason how are you i'm all right always good to catch up with you and uh, there's, there's always a lot going on in your world and uh, the, I, I know that you've been absolutely flat out over recent weeks yeah yeah it's been really busy not only with my own work but also with uh, getting the festival ready we're on a brand new site this year jason so everything that's associated with plus obviously getting the site safe and welcoming for everyone who attends as well uh, 
artists, uh, volunteers, audience members, and our team as well. So yeah, it's 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 four pelt ahead at the moment. <laughs> so where did the festival on the edge story begin? Well, festival at the edge originally uh, started in Muchwenlock, ninety uh, two, I think it was. So we're the oldest storytelling festival in England, and uh, this is our twenty eighth edition. Mm-hmm. So we did we didn't run last year. Uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, so this year, we're at a brand new site in Hopton Court um, near Clearbury Mortimer. It's a beautiful site. And uh, I mean, we're really made welcome by the, the, the locals in Clearbury Mortimer and Hopton Way, so the, the little village itself. And uh, we're really excited. It's, 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 we bring a mixture of storytelling, music, workshops, activities, story walks, bonfire storytelling. And I know for a fact that many, many people tell their first story either in a story round or around the bonfire late at night at the <laughs> festival and myself as well I wouldn't be a full-time storyteller Jason if it wasn't for Festival at the Edge that's without a shadow of a doubt so very close to my heart and, and, and we have real passion for it as well. Storytelling is something which is uh, across the globe every culture has a way of bringing stories to life uh, sometimes in different ways and obviously with technology that's allowed things to expand somewhat over what the last century or so but uh, it isn't something which sort of began when people started doing radio plays it is something which has been as you said maybe around the fire of the evening when when food has been taken uh, anytime humans have got together we've always had this joy of telling tales, some of them true, some of them uh, built up, some of them fibs, and uh, a lot of them to entertain. Yeah, 100% without a shadow of a doubt. Stories are a part of our fibre, I really believe this, you know, they, they make up our DNA. It's, uh, if you follow a faith, most likelihood is it, it's, it's, a, it's a, um, a collection of stories or a, or a set of stories. If you don't follow a faith, that's a story as well, you know. Um, stories we tell we tell ourselves that other people the stories we tell about ourselves you know when you're leaving for work and you look in the mirror before you before you you open the door <laughs> that's a story you're telling yourself you know uh good or bad and and so i think yeah the, those family stories about the uncle of the auntie that doesn't get invited to any of the dues <laughs> every family has one of those stories you know that nobody ever mentioned so so yes stories are, have been part of us since we started you look at the earliest cave paintings you know i was, t- I was doing a workshop the other day uh, for members of the NHS uh, Leadership Academy in the Southwest, and I was we were talking about the cave paintings, which are probably one of the earliest sort of illustrative um, sort of examples, I suppose, of, of people making sense of their life or wanting to leave a, a record of their of, the, of their of their daily sort of doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 interesting. You look at any of those cave paintings, Jason, in Spain or France, ancient cave paintings and you'll always see the hunter steadfast you know his back is always completely ramrod straight he's there he's 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 eyeing down those beasts you know what i mean and you never ever have him legging it in the opposite direction it's it's never the one that got away is it it's it's always the one that they got yeah 100 percent. and you never see him running from the stampede you know (laughs) which i'm sure happened at some stage or he got knocked down to the ground now he's always so that's embellishment, if you think about it. Something based on reality or on his experience, which has been embellished for us to see now thousands of years later. You know, it's it's fascinating. So stories always been part of us, and um, and and I think it's also very needed now as well. In what everybody's gone through in the last fourteen months or so, um, 
A, it, it reminds us how we are connected to each other. That's what stories do. I really believe this, you know. And like you said, every culture has a history of stories or a tradition of stories to some extent, whether it's written or oral. And uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's an experience that we need and reminds us, you know, who we are and, and how we're connected. You know, in a world where difference seems to be the sort of, the, you know, the, the key word, uh, finding difference to separate people, I think when it's done well and when it's done in the right situation, storytelling can actually show us that there are more more similarities and more things that bridge us, you know, and connect us. And through those connections, and, and as, as somebody speaks to tell a story, and it'll be slightly different every time from a storyteller, that's the other exciting bit. You know, the, the, there is so much that comes across, there is, and, and it is... On the on the edge of your seat thing. So festival at the edge is kind. It kind of it, it's got two meanings at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because originally when we started, we were near Wenlock Edge, so obviously that had the. But now where we are in, you know, we're we're sort of at the edge of Shropshire. You know, it's it's so there's always and also it's it's you know it's it can be it can be an analogy for so many different things as well. Um, you know, and like I said, we're getting the site ready, so we we, we currently sort of in the midst of our first ever crowdfunder as well, Jason, which is which is really helping us as well to make the site ready. We didn't want to put prices up this year at the festival, so we're hoping that people's donations will help fund all the extra costs of making the site ready, which we all living with now with extra hand sanitation, distancing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's strange times that we're living in, but you know, it, we, there's still an urge for people to communicate and for people to listen and exchange ideas. And I think that's really important. So if, if your good listeners can support us as a crowdfunder, it's just FATE, which is the acronym, obviously, for Festival at the Edge. FATE, FATE 2021, it would be brilliant if they could support us in any little way that they can. Yep, absolutely. If you can uh, put something into the coffers to help get the site ready and get people ready. And uh, to uh, you know, the end of communication togetherness and for those who, who go and could say you could they can sit around and tell their tales around the the, the campfire uh, after the main part of the event but it is still all part of the event isn't it? it it is telling stories and as a storyteller like anybody who's a comedian or magician you get obviously you, some, someone will always come up to you you tell them you're a storyteller and they say tell us a story and and you know it, it's it's having that sort of thing on with so I, I i'm going to do that to you in a moment or two's time because i expect nothing less whenever we have a conversation uh, <laughs> to, to be able to have a little bit of a, uh, a magical tale but um we, you know it, it, it is you don't have to have something prepared if you're just going as a, as a as a as a patron to the event but everybody does have a story to tell everybody does have a story to tell yeah and it's like I've, I've been going to the festival since 99. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm from Wolverhampton, born and bred. I'm a, I'm a city lad, you know, <laughs> and I didn't know what to expect when I got there, up there in the Shropshire Hills, you know. Uh, it was so far r- removed from my experience and my reality and my life. But when I got there, I was just like, I was stunned, you know. I was thinking, this is what I've been waiting for. And it did really change my life, you know. And, 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 and five, six years later, I gave up a full-time job with regular wages <laughs> to become a self-employed storyteller and now what 16 years in or whatever it is it, i'm still doing this job and it's it's yeah it's incredible it's we all have a story to tell and sometimes that story comes out easily and sometimes it takes a little while longer for that story to come out but we all have a story to tell and we all have a story to listen to as well you know to try and understand each other a bit more and stories can be so many things as you know jason you know they can be thoughtful they can be wisdom tales they can be scary stories nothing wrong with that as well you know we it's great to go 
there's nothing better than being around the, the, the bonfire at the festival at the edge at, at night and sort of having just listened to some brilliant storyteller like Taffy Thomas in the daytime or Daniel Mills and all some great music from people like uh, Robin Reingans, who's a, Reingans, sorry, who's a brilliant uh, musician from Germany who's doing mm-hmm. a piece this year, Dispatches from the Red Dress, which is about her grandmother's youth. Uh, in 1940s Germany, you know, it's an amazing award-winning piece. So there's nothing better than having a great day of listening to professional music musicians and storytellers. And then around the bonfire, suddenly thinking, you know what, I had a story that I, I heard years ago from my <laughs> grandma or my granddad or, 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 you know, or somebody used to tell me bedtime stories. And then you just come out with a story. And it's, I've seen that so many times over the years. Suddenly somebody gets up who's never told before. Suddenly the crackling of the fire crisp night air in the, in the countryside and then suddenly they'll come out with a little wee five minute story and everybody go wow <laughs> where on earth has that come from and that's 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 isn't it nice to be surprised by human beings in the cynical 21st century of, <laughs> of, of, of social uh, media and sort of you know and, and, and trolling trolling left right and center that they're still we can still be nicely surprised by each other. I think that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I, I now will push you to uh, bring us a, a two to three minute tale, if you'd be so kind, just to set the scene for Festival at the Edge. Okay, fantastic. So this is there's 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 an old guy. This old guy's walking through the forest, and as he's walking through the forest, he's got a staff. He's got an old cloak over his shoulders and a little bundle with bread, and suddenly he comes across. He comes across Monkey, and Monkey sees him, and Monkey says, oh, welcome, Maraj, Maraj, Maraj. He says, blessing, salutations. He says, what, what are you doing in our forest? He says, is there anything that I can, I can do to make your journey easier? It's such, a, such an honor to have an elder in our forest. And the old man says, well, yeah, I've been walking for a while. I'm a bit thirsty. Could you help perhaps quench my thirst? And Monkey said, yeah, no problem. In a second, off he was amongst the trees plucked the juiciest and ripest mango and brought it back and he says here he said it's delicious he says you know he says you squash all the pulp inside then you suck it out <laughs> all that juicy stuff he said it's great because in india we obviously suck mangoes we chop on mangoes we don't eat mangoes he says that'll quench your thirst and the old man put it in his bag and he says thank you he says would you like to walk with me for a while and monkey said of course so there's the old man there's monkey who do they come across next fox and Fox, once again, is excited. He says, ah, Maraj, Maraj, welcome to our forest. Is there anything that I can do to make your journey easier? And the old man says, he says, your friend Monkey here, he says, give me a delicious mango to quench my thirst. If you could perhaps get me something to just take away the edge off my hunger, I'd appreciate it. And no sooner has he said the words, Fox remembered that a little while earlier, he'd seen a fish lying on the riverbank. So he retrieves the fish and he says, yeah, he says, once you've cleaned it, he says, you know, a bit of masala, a bit of ginger, garlic, chilies. He says, all the good stuff and just nice bit of butter on it and just cook it slowly. It'll be good. Delicious. And he hands it to the old man. And the old man says, thank you. Puts it in his bag, says, would you like to walk with me? And he says, yes. So there's the old man, there's monkey and there's uh, fox. A little while later, who do they come across but rabbit? And rabbit's there, so excited. He's there, so welcome, welcome, welcome. He says, Maraj, it's such an honor to have you in our forest. Is there anything I can get you to make your journey easier on your, on your travels? And the old man says, he says, your two friends there. He says, a fox and monkey have been so kind. He says, um, I'm going to be a bit hungry in a while. He says, if you give me something substantial, he says, that would really, really help me. He says, just to keep me going on my journey, I've got lots of traveling to do. And the rabbit thought, well, I only eat grass, what can I give him? And so he thought for a moment, and then he called his two friends, and he says, listen, get some, get some wood. 
and they got some wood. He says, make a pile. They made a pile. And he says, now light it. And they lit it. And he says to his two friends, he says, listen, when I'm cooked, he says, can you make sure that the old man really enjoys me? And he was about to leap into that, into that fire when the old man said, no. And the three animals were like, shook with fear as he threw down his cloak and he threw down his staff. And in a gentle voice, he said, no. He says, don't be frightened. He says, I'm the Buddha. He says, I've been traveling the world, he says, to try and find the true nature of humans and the true nature of animals. He says, and the stories I could tell you that I've seen good and bad, but in this forest, he says, I've seen such kindness. He said, you monkey, he says, you quenched a, a traveler's thirst, a stranger's thirst. He says, and you fox, he says, helped with my hunger. It's like, thank you, he says, for showing such kindness to somebody you didn't know. And he looked at the rabbit, he says, but you little one, he says, you gave the most. You were willing to sacrifice yourself, he says, to help someone else. You should learn to take care of yourself. And he took that beautiful animal, he says, an animal like you needs a special place in the world. And he lifted him higher, higher past the flames, higher past the treetops, higher into the, past the clouds, higher into the heavens, higher, higher, higher. And there he placed him on the moon, where he rests to this very day, sharing his compassion, sharing his light, sharing his kindness and that's why in india we don't say there's a man in the moon or a place in the moon we say there's a rabbit in the moon and that's where he is to this very day reminding us reminding us to maybe be kind to others and to ourselves and that's how the rabbit got on the moon that is fantastic. Thank you very much. That's absolutely beautiful. And uh, that is just a, a flavour of the sort of... Uh, it, it, you're just taken into the whole story and you're living it there as, 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 a, as a, a true storyteller tells that tale. It is amazing. The skills you have are wonderful. And it's been great to see you doing some brilliant work with the Grand Theatre as well over the, uh, the last 12 months. Long may that Thank continue. And uh, we look forward to seeing more of what you do. If you're looking for the crowdfunder to help with the festival, you're searching for Fate 2021. Where do people go for tickets festivaletheedge.org and all the information's there about the artists we've got some fantastic artists not just storytellers musicians as well like i said like pete morton's there as well who who is well known i think to our, our wolverhampton audiences and uh, and workshop leaders and we've got herb walk and oh just so many interesting things so yeah just check out our, our website festivaletheedge.org and if you can support the, the, the crowdfunder that would really help even if it's only a few quid uh, as they say, every, every little bit, bit helps, you know, and we've got another three weeks or so to go, that crowdfunder, and just to make the site safe and welcoming and just have a beautiful festival, hopefully the best fate ever, our 28th edition. So uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the tale, and we look forward to much more of that in the not-too-distant future. Peter Chan, thanks again. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody who I know uh, from all the charity work that he's done for a particularly long time, not, although you wouldn't know it judging by the look of him, because he still looks so sprightly, is Suresh Bauer, who joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello, sir. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Fine, fine, looking forward to a sunny day. Well, that's it, we, we like a good bit of sunshine. And, I mean, you have been out on the road doing all sorts of things of, like, raising funds for charity. So give us a bit of your background to start off with, because this does go back for a little while longer than you probably care to remember yes uh, and and you are asking me to go into the dark distant past but 20 years ago February the 21st um uh 20 uh, or 12 20 2001 it would have been mm-hmm. uh, we had an idea to set a charity up um and it uh, the, the whole the whole piece was about making a difference yeah 
And um, <clears throat> at that time, business, business was going well. And we thought to ourselves, what could we do? It was myself and Steve Walker, um, who's a co-trustee of Promise Dreams. And um, very simply, it was all about putting smiles on children's faces. Uh, and then 20 years on, uh, just over three million pounds and probably 3,270 odd families. Um, we've, we feel that collectively we've achieved that goal. And it's been a tough, tough time in the last year. Um, but yes, uh, it's been a, a massive achievement, it, not just for, for, for ourselves, but all the families and all the people that contributed to that journey as well. So it's been, a, it's been fun. It's been sad, uh, as you can imagine, along the journey. Um, but uh, the, the overarching pieces that um, we have collectively made that difference, which I think is so important. Yeah, and it's been good to be involved in events with you in the past, and I hope we can do something in the not-too-distant future. But uh, yeah. the, the importance over the last 12 months has been higher than absolutely ever before. And it is what you do and the way you do it. And it can be anything from uh, making sure that somebody's got the type of bed they need to be able to live their life at home when they've got some sort of terminal disease, through, actually, you know, through, through some of the fun things too. Yeah, no, 100%. So, so you know, I, I think the beauty of a child is what's a vision of a child? What does actually put a smile on somebody's face? Our first dream was a hamster. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Um, so, yes, people want to meet their famous uh, pop stars. But, you know, if you look at the practicalities of it all, there are sensory equipment which can enhance a child's life. Yeah. There are iPads which we can put apps on that will enhance a child's life. Um, yes, we can do, uh, over the last year, we haven't been able to do it, but, you know, trips abroad. Everybody wants to meet Mickey Mouse, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I think most of the parents do as well. Never mind the children. Right? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a case of creating, um, uh, uh, sorry, enhancing the ability or, or giving the ability for a child to turn around and say, yes, this is what I want to do. So one of the ones that touch, touches me is over the last year, we just had a very simple one. Um, we have fast track dreams where we know the child's going to pass away, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. was, they, um, was a child, was a family that collectively just wanted a portrait of a child, a painted, uh, a painted portrait. So, you know, you, you think to yourself, you know, how can you make a difference? I always say, you know, a, a child smile. Um, we're, all, we're all parents, we're all brothers, we're all sisters, we're all uncles and aunts. So, you know, we're, we're touched by uh, children in many, many different ways. But coming back to the point about us 12 months, it has been the most challenging 12 months, not just for Promise Streets, but for every charity in mm. the UK. Because if you look at how lockdowns created uh, insular pockets imagine a child and a family that's not been able to take their child for a walk so one of the things we could have is a is a um, um a bike where they've got uh, a, a a piece of equipment where the child can sit on the back and they could, they could be, the child could be uh, obviously very dis has a disability which is not going to enable them to ride the bike but we attach something on there so imagine ch children that have been able to get out in this never mind fully able children but mm -hmm. children that cannot do things so it's been tough in a fundraising manner it's been tough tough in a i would say a psychological manner for so many people but our children we've, we've only been able to help probably a third of the kids over the last 12 months so there are probably 100 to 120 families out there that we've not been able to help purely because we haven't had the fundraising but hopefully we can see that start to change. And I know that you've been doing some fantastic work yourself. Uh, a list of, uh, it's quite nice when I see a list of friends suddenly appear in the press for having done stuff. There's yourself, there's Steve Ball, there's Jason Guy, there's, uh, and, and, and Bev was there, of course, you're a wonderful Beverly Bird who works with you. Uh, and, and you've done some brilliant stuff. And people have been so generous in the fundraising that they've helped you do recently. Yes, 100%. I, I think we, we call it the walk on the cut. 
So it was really interesting doing a walk from Birmingham Children's Hospital to Newcross Hospital. I had a competition with Steve Bull to say how many people would recognise him on the cut. <laughs> uh, and I kept making up the fact that these people knew me. Clearly they didn't. And we got to Smedic and, and Tipton. He just took control then. He just totally took control. Uh, but yeah, you know, 16 miles, we raised uh, just over £10,000 for three great charities, New Cross Hospital, Birmingham Children's Hospital, and also Promise Dreams. Um, but I think any little bit helps. Uh, and, you know, we had some fun. Uh, we had a, a few problems. Steve's knees, as you can imagine, playing football. Uh, he, he, They've been <laughs> gone a the while, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it went a bit peaked on for him, but uh, and and Jason and Jason and Neil, six foot seven, you know, bless them, they, they ploughed through it. But uh, but yeah, I think I think we just tried collectively to do something. We meant to do it on New Year's Eve, and obviously due to lockdown, we couldn't do it. Um, but yes, it was just a, it was a fun way of of putting putting something back, you know. And I think as long as we can do that then we're achieving our goals collectively. Mm -hmm. Well, so it's, it's about fundraising, it's about profile, it's about getting the message across that these kids are out there needing help. And uh, it's like it, it, they may be disabled, they may have a life-limiting uh, condition, and Promise Dreams is there to just to make things that bit better for them, which is what counts. And that's, that's you say that you know, the families enjoy visiting and, and meeting Mickey Mouse. Well, to be fair, what they've gone through to help their kids every day, they deserve that little bit of respite too. Yeah, no, no, 100%. And I think, I think as you said hopefully post june july that the problem we have is we can't plan events at this present time mm -hmm. we actually don't know what the future looks like um so we are planning you know we've got we've got a, a, an event uh, at, a, at a local restaurant where we hope to get 70 odd people together we've got a gala dinner that we're looking to do i've got a golf day that i'm looking to do in august but in in reality it's not with the certainty that we had before mm -hmm. um you know we're very cautious we're very mindful uh, we're very aware of the challenges ahead of us um, but, you know, we, we, we endeavour collectively, you know, uh, and the team is only a small team. I've only got two people at Promise Dreams. I think, I think what people must realise, we are a very small charity. Yeah. We just seem to fight above our weight. You know, we seem to seem to get out there with massive profile and support with some great patrons, Susie Perry, Don Goodman, Steve Bull. Um, you know, they have been absolute legends, and I mean that. And I know everyone say, think Steve is a legend, but, you know, they've been absolute legends to support our charity over the last 20 years. So, you know, we, we are trying our best to do the best we can in, in challenging times. Absolutely, and the, 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 you do nothing other than the absolute best for those families, the kids who get that special moment. And, uh, you know, it's so good to continue to see what you're doing and uh, I applaud you and all the team for that. You're a great gang. No, no, no. no I, I, I'll be honest with you, I applaud everyone that's supported. We have some silent angels in, in the world, you know, that I, I always say that giving is good, mm -hmm. you know, but giving is also an invitation. You know, we have to decide what we are as a core individual before we decide what we want to do for other people. But we've had some great, great supporters over the last 20 years, some awesome people that have gone for, on, gone far above the cause, call of duty uh, and done fantastic things. So if it hadn't been for them, you know, that, that sit there and knit little mittens for children do you know and, and i'm genuinely i'm talking about some fantastic people that have done some awesome things and for me it makes me wake up every day thinking there's good in people there's kindness in people there are people that actually do want to give you know and that's such a lovely feeling when you meet the families when you sit and meet the families and meet the children it's very humbling mm -hmm. you know but you know you've got almost like a, an army behind you that are doing their, their best to make sure that smile for a child occurs and that smile for granddad occurs because granddad's sitting there. Uh, I always say the surrogate sibling, sorry, 
the siblings become surrogate mums and dads. Mm -hmm. so the, the terms of our charity are very simple. When, we, when I wrote the terms of the charity, was to say, to help terminally and seriously ill children and their families. And I think it's very important that we understand that we've not just helped the child, but we've helped the families as well. Mm -hmm. Actually, vital work and means so much to so many people. I can get to say thank you to you for what you and the team do. I know that you do, you're not doing it for that, but that's that's part of it. But where do we go? Because obviously you need that support. Without being able to run regular events, to be able to make a difference to those kids' lives, what do we do? How do people donate? Well, look, we've got, we've got our Just Giving page, which is, which is live 24-7. Uh, go to www.promisestreams.co.uk. But look, going back to work, everyone's been working from home for the last... God knows how long. A lot of people are working from home. But going back to work and just doing a, a dress down day, simple, simple as a dress down day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just deciding on that you want to do something. You know, a lot of people have got back into fitness, cycling, walking. You know, gosh, my dog is so annoyed with me now when I get the because I'm just walking the dog all the time. You know, and she goes, "Not again, Dad. Not again." But <laughs> walking, walking. So you know, if you took a challenge. So this year, simply, I took a challenge myself that I'm going to walk from Lands End to John O'Groats in 365 days. Yeah, and I just log it every day. Mm -hmm. I just log it. You know, um, and at the end of it, I'll just make a donation to three charities. I'll do New Cross and I'll do BCH and I'll do Promise Dreams. But I've not, you know, it's just my personal challenge. I've just thought to myself, gosh, you know, if I can walk that, that's like breaking it down over the 12 months. That's my challenge. So I think you can find your own way of giving, you know, and it can be five pounds and 10 pounds. Because let's put it into context, that portrait cost me 55 pounds. But I'd made an absolutely massive difference to that family, and that's the thing that counts. And it's the it's the look in their eyes when they see this happen for them. And it's it's yeah, often about having someone to facilitate it for them. That's the important thing, and that's yes. again where Promise Dreams comes in. Yes, and they can apply online. You know, we we are we we dearly ask people to um, uh, apply now because hopefully over the next three to six months, fundraising will start coming back and we'll be able to help more families as well. So, yes, yeah, so giving in any form, shape or manner, fundraising, you know, as a, as, a, as a proprietor of a business, as somebody that owns a business, you know, just collectively get people together and just say, yeah, I've got 20 people that work in the business. They could all, they could all donate £10. You know, that's £200. That makes a difference. I have to emphasise that it doesn't matter about the amount because little bits add up. Mm -hmm. You know, they... So, so yes, you know, anyway, the people do fundraising, I said, doing a sponsored walk or a sponsored dress down day um, and just taking it upon themselves, you know, and I come back to it. I've been fortunate enough to work with so many beautiful people over the last 20 years in the charity arena. And I genuinely believe people are good and they want to make a difference. You know, so if it is £10 or £20 or £30, just go out there and do it, you know. And I'll be honest, it doesn't have to be promised dreams. Just do it for a charity because mm -hmm. we, we're, we're struggling. But rest assured, many of the charities are struggling as well. You know, so just go out there and it just makes you feel good. It just really makes you feel good. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's by our promised dreams. Thank you for joining us. No, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thank you very much. And have a good bank holiday. Enjoy the sun. The Scaretrack team have been eager to get out and about with the relaxing of lockdown. Mikey Stewart joins us to tell us more. Hello, sir. Hey, buddy. How's it going? All good here. And you and the gang have been off enjoying yourselves. They're starting to see uh, a few videos online, but what is it like out there at the minute? You know what? It's nice to have a sense of of safe normality. You mm -hmm. know, we're, we're slowly getting there now. It's been 
another long few months of lockdown. Obviously, we had it over the summer last year. Um, and then we were really lucky to be able to have some sort of Halloween. Obviously, we, we run all year round, but Halloween is our key time. Um, and then, obviously, through winter, January, February, March, April, we've been extremely bored, <laughs> to say the least, during this last lockdown. But as outdoor theme parks were opening um, sort of in April time, May 17th came finally, which meant that we could do some indoor stuff as well. So finally, we're starting to get to a sort of safe normal. Yeah, because I mean, often you get sort of immersive theatre for these things uh, and uh, there's the actual opportunity for people to, to be scary in a sort of a darkened environment. Uh, so it gives that whole eerie feel to it. And you can't really do that in a field, can you, just in the same way? So, yeah, it's um, it's finally nice to be able to get those scares indoors, really. Um, although we are a scare attraction podcast and we, we focus on haunted attractions that are predominantly at October, um, but we do have things all year round. We have Christmas scare attractions, we have Halloween scare attractions, we have Valentine's, Easter, loads. So, although you can get nice sort of attractions and scares outdoors in certain types of um mazes and um, horror attractions but indoors is really where it's happening that's where you have the beautiful sets the scenery um the technology so really although it's great to have some outdoor fun really it is an indoor sort of style uh, of scare so um yeah it's great to be able to get back indoors, really, with our masks on, nice and safe. Well, I think those are the masks actually add to it, if nothing else, don't they? Because it does make you feel you're in a whole pandemic situation. Oh, hang on, we're in a whole pandemic situation. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things, is it, it doesn't detract from what you're doing, does it? No, absolutely not. And the whole uh, industry, not just here in the UK, but worldwide, we uh, chat a lot to the people over in the States, over in Germany. And the way the whole community and industry has adapted to COVID, although we all have in our own way, shape or form with our usual lives and work and seeing friends and the, just even the way we go to the pub is so different at the moment. Um, but the scare attraction industry really had to think out of the box and, and masks, obviously one of those, they've been able to integrate into their characters, into their costumes give customers reason to wear masks within their storylines of their attractions so um yeah it all all adds to the effect really and i think it's, it's this is thing may well stay for a little while after all this has calmed down and normality has kind of returned definitely yeah i think it, i think there's pros and obviously there's so many cons and negatives to covid it's been vile it's been disgusting and lots of people have you know i don't want to get onto all the the, nope. the sad side of things but mm. i do think we will take some positives away from it. I think we'll be far cleaner <laughs> nowadays. Um, I know that I'll still be keeping anti-back in my, in my wife's handbag as we're going out and about. <laughs> and, and masks, yeah, it might just be a thing to stay for quite a little while. Even if it's not mandatory, people may feel more comfortable wearing a mask or it may be that there's zero restrictions, but they advise to wear masks indoors. So who knows what's, um, what's to come. But I think, you know, Anti-back will be everywhere. Shields will be everywhere. And I just think we might have a, fingers crossed, a, a cleaner community, I guess. And hopefully less common colds after all this. That's, the, that's what exactly. we can hope for afterwards. You never know. Definitely. But uh, obviously the scare attractions are a, a big part of not only your life, but many, many people. And it is fun. And it, 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 the whole ethos sort of carries over because even though it's a scare attraction, it's always been done in a safe way. So this is just kind of an extension of that for you guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was great to be uh, able to see how different parks managed to either change up their methods or integrate new methods uh, to keep everyone safe. It is um, at the entertainment industry at the end of the, en at the end of the day. It's a type of theatre, it's a type of performance, um, just done in a slightly different way. And the idea is to scare, but also entertain and make you laugh. So it's always been done with safety in mind, of course, and COVID is just another layer that they've uh, been able to add on top of that. Well, so there's an awful lot going on. You're hopefully going to have a suitably scare-filled summer and you'll be able to see all of your antics online. You and the missus and the gang will be there. Where do we find you? So you can find us straight on our website, www.scaretrack.co.uk. We're on all the socials. Just search Scaretrack. And we're on YouTube as well, youtube.com forward slash scare track. And if you get some great ideas for fun things to go out and do. And even if you don't necessarily want to be completely immersed in it, there's, there's something for everybody, isn't there? Absolutely, yeah. It's good because there's so many different types of things within the industry. If you want to go to something that's six hours long, really intense, really extreme, then we know uh, what direction to point you in. Or if you just want to have a quick five-minute scare in the middle of Blackpool, we know where to send you there. So lots of different types of, you know, levels of immersion, levels of scare, level of excitement, uh, lots of stuff, really. Sounds good to me. Mike Stewart, always good to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Townwood School are now well into their first month of podcasting with their sports podcast. One of the team down there is Adam Millership, who joins me now to tell me more about how all this came to be. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. And, and hello, sir, is mostly what you're used to hearing when you're at school. On the ground, you're one of the teaching staff down there. So tell us a bit about your background to start off with. So, yeah, I am um, recently joined Technowood School, actually. So um, I've been a special needs teacher for nearly 10 years now, but pretty new to Technowood School, so I've joined in September. Um, yeah, it's all going really well. It's a fantastic school, fantastic students, fantastic staff. And yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And you're bringing teaching to those with autism. And this just basically means it's teaching, but from maybe a slightly different angle to how you'd approach it normally. So uh, what sort of things do you see differently to Tenor Wood to maybe teaching in uh, a school which is more mainstream? So yeah, it's, it's obviously very different in terms of the children have um, a lot more structure, a lot more routine. Um, Communication um, is a big challenge for lots of our students. So making sure that everything's differentiated and kind of appropriate for the level of learning. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic job. And every day is completely different. Um, all the students are very unique in their own way. Fantastic students to, have to work with. And it's a very, very rewarding job. Mm -hmm. So I really, really enjoy it. So how did the sports podcast come about? Because this is a chance for them to express themselves through interviews and conversation, uh, as well as you know, being passionate about uh, something and an area which obviously you're passionate about as well, because you uh, work uh, within the uh, the PE team. Yeah, definitely. We, we, yeah, so we've had some fantastic guests. So um, so far we've had Jamie Newham, who's a rugby player for England, uh, Johnny Owen, who's um, sort of actor and host of, sort of talk sport radio, and you said Dave Edwards. We've also got coming up Ty Wolfenden, who is a three-time speedway world champion. Um, Nigel Owens, who's a rugby referee. Uh, Joe Hart, um, ex-Shrewsbury um, Man City goalkeeper. Uh, so yeah, we've got lots of good guests coming up. And hopefully, as the podcast progresses and word of mouth spreads, we can get more and more guests. So yeah, I think it's, as you say, it's unique in the fact that it's, it's children with autism doing the questions. So the questions are slightly different. And I think that's what the feedback from the guests have been that, their questions that they don't always get asked because I think they find that 
from the mainstream media, they get asked the same questions over and over usually. But the questions that we ask them are, are slightly different um, and a bit more in-depth, maybe it's more to sort of personal life and growing up and their hobbies and interests. Mm-hmm. So it's a slightly different interview, which I think people are enjoying. Yeah, and it's yeah. No one's trying to catch them out, which is the other side of things. And uh, you know, the the story to be had is one of just having that conversation and and being able to do so uh, in a, in a chilled out and relaxed way, which is you know something that comes across well. Everyone seems to be you know not there's no one's on edge. They're all enjoying having a conversation, and uh, I say they they are sometimes surprised, but uh, uh, it is uh, yeah good to good to hear it and say good to have it from that different angle. And because you get to join in as well, and there must be some questions that you want to ask when you're doing this. Things. I'm a massive sports fan and I like every single sport pretty much. So yeah, there's some definitely some questions that um I want to ask. I said I really enjoy speaking to David Edwards because I'm I'm Welsh myself and I really enjoyed asking him all about the Euros in 2016 when Wales came so close to, to winning. And it was really good to get an in-depth um sight of what happened at the Euros and sort of behind the scenes of of in the team hotel and on the golf course when they've had a bit of downtime. Um, so yeah, some really interesting interviews, and I'm really enjoying it. And where do you go from here? Do you think? Because uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a series. There's going to be kids leaving as they go through their their school career. Uh, it's something that could go on for many years with a number of different groups, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that's what that, that's the plan. So obviously, we we all go up until end of the academic year, and then we'll probably take a little break. And yeah, when we come back for season two, hopefully in September, we might have some some new some new students who um who would want to have a go and want to have a chance to speak to these sports stars so yeah i think at the moment i don't see any point sort of stopping i'm happy to keep, keep going and going and going and, and see where it leads us basically and it's also one of these things that teachers end up doing outside of their normal working hours as well because you're spending the time uh, to edit and make sure this is uh, ready to go online and uh, people can then enjoy listening to it as you say it's been a global response already uh, it's also we've been sharing it on WCRFM in Wolverhampton as well uh, so uh, but they're only a little taster of the uh, the interview so you get the full thing on the podcast itself where do people go to to find out more about the podcast yeah so the podcast is released every Tuesday um, and it's available on kind of all your podcast apps. So probably the main ones are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Amazon Music, but all all the podcast apps is available on. Um, so if you just search TWS Sports Podcast, um, you'll be able to find it. So check out the details then. We do have an Instagram page, which is TWS Sports Podcast. So feel free to follow us and all the information will be on there. Yeah, and obviously Technolwood School doing great things. Tell us just a little bit more about uh, the, the, the society itself before we go. Yeah, so it's a fantastic school. As I said, fantastic students, fantastic staff. Um, we go from reception to sixth form and I've really enjoyed working there. All the students are absolutely fantastic and all very unique unique characters in their own way. Um, as I said, I've only been there quite a short time, but I've really, really enjoyed it. It's such a fantastic school and hopefully we have many more fantastic years there. Okay, and how should I refer to you going forward? I mean, I, I know you as Adam. Do, do I call you Mr. Millichip? Is that okay? That's fine, but most all the students, we're all known by our first name at school, so all the students call me Adam. That's all right. Well, I wish I will say, Adam, thank you for joining us. Fab, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> We all love a great movie, and the best of those are comedies. Somebody who knows a thing or two about the odd film here and there is Andrew Collins, who joins me now to tell me more about this research. Hello, sir. Hello. Yeah, I I love the idea of research because, you know, it just breaks down everything into numbers. So for people (laughs) who like numbers, they can talk about numbers, and for people who like films, they can talk about films. 
So when it comes down to it then, so uh, comedies have come out top of the list. I mean, hopefully that's not too much of a surprise because going to the cinema is often about feeling good when you leave afterwards. Yes, we want to be moved sometimes. Yes, a drama can be absolutely awesome. But if there's a bit of a giggle too, we're always happier. Yeah, I think that's true. I think uh, all the best films have a bit of everything. Uh, you know, Sophie's Choice, not so much uh, comedy in that, but, you know, by and large, there's usually some humanity in it. And what we want from films is not necessarily to just be kind of mindlessly entertained, although there's definitely uh, something to be said for that, especially during the daytime, and especially when you're locked down. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a thriller can do the trick. But it's always comedy that, dry, that rises to the top. And I think it's because if we're in the house, uh, and if we're on our own, and some people are, uh, then actually being with a comedy film for an hour and a half or more uh, is something, it's a bit like having a companion in the home, isn't it? It is, and uh, yeah, one who's going to entertain you and put a smile on your face. But I mean, we still love our heroes too, because I know top of the list when it comes to our action heroes is James Bond, and 22% of people saying that's who they are. They, they want to identify with, really, don't they? They want that to be them. Yeah, and then because he's been so many different actors over the years and it's likely to be another actor within the next, um, yeah, he's kind of more than just a companion, isn't he? He's somebody who's always there. He's always the same age. He's always uh, effectively as brilliant as he was last time. And I was grown up uh, taking to the cinema. My dad would take my brother and I to see the new James Bond film. And so the first time I saw a film would have been The Jungle Book, the Disney's Jungle Book, when I was <laughs> very young. And I was slightly scared by the dark. And then we were taken to see pretty much every James Bond film from thereafter throughout my brother and I's childhood. Uh, so it was a, an excellent way. It was like a, like a babysitter, James Bond. That's what I see, a really dynamic babysitter. Well, for, for me as well, I mean, I, I was taken to the cinema with my dad. My first film that my dad took me to see was Star Wars. And, and Darth Vader actually comes out there in the, the most popular or at least unpopular villains. Well, popular, I think, because he makes people who have asthma feel a lot better. It certainly uh, helped me through uh, through that ailment. Uh, yeah, so it, it tells me that you're younger than I, uh, because the first film uh, you saw had a big impact was Star Wars. Um, I was not much, I was not that far behind uh, or in front of you. And Star Wars was the first film that I saw with a, a, a fellow fellow pupil from school mm -hmm. uh, I asked her out and said would you like to go to the cinema this was a massive deal for me uh, she said yes so we were taken by I think my dad took us in his car dropped us off at the ABC in Northampton <laughs> and uh, we went we saw the film and I don't remember much about having conversations about it afterwards I think I was just dazed by the whole thing and still am <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing movie. I was, what, uh, was it 77? So I'd have been about five then. And uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, it's amazing to take in. And I think that's the spectacular cinema that really makes a difference. And now we've got IMAX as well, and you get your seat to see things so, so clearly. But the, it, when it comes then to watching these things in our home, oh, it, it's getting someone to curate those for us so we can, we can enjoy what's coming through. Because, I, I mean, throughout lockdown, we've been clicking on things and, and, and watching stuff uh, streams. But there's still a lot to be said for having somebody else suggest to you uh, a program of films so you can choose the same way as you would do at the cinema that's true uh, i find in our house if uh, if one of us has seen uh, seen a film and the other hasn't rather than say oh i don't want to sit down and watch that again if it's really good you'll want to sit down and watch it again with mm -hmm. somebody who you know is going to love it because you know what their taste is like so if there's two of you in the house and one of you has seen a film it's brilliant proof that the film is good if you can watch it again and just kind of enjoy the other person watching it that's what I find anyway.
That's all good. And I, and I like the fact that when you're watching at home, you can get the snacks in and you haven't got to remortgage anything to do so. Uh, and and there is a survey figures on this as well. I'm, I'm loving this survey. It's rather good. Uh, 40% voted for crisps as a favourite film snack. <laughs> uh, popcorn came in at uh, 34% alongside sweets. Fizzy drinks at 27%. Uh, but, but wine is an easier option when you're at home too. Yeah, wine and beer do all right, but I think people are just thinking, right, if I'm going to watch a film, I'm going to have a beer or a wine if they are your particular poisons. And so I don't blame anyone. I was surprised to see, oh, cereal is an unusual one, but then cereal, uh, which is only 5% of, uh, of our eating tastes while watching films, apparently, but cereal's a bit messy. I mean, I've just ate some cereals because you eat cereals throughout the day. They're an all-day food, aren't they? That's the yeah. whole point. And uh, yeah, uh, I think cereal is not good because you have to look down, you have to aim, uh, you have to aim yeah. a utensil going into the mouth. But I'm I'm somebody who eats dry cornflakes, so I could eat oh, them like dear. crisps. And no, that works. It works. I have a cup of tea and some dry cornflakes. I have milky tea as well, so it works wonders. It's absolutely brilliant. So, okay, the milk I, and the tea does the job. Okay, I'll, I'll I, let you off. I can do that during a film. Okay, so I mean, but when it comes down to some of the classic films out there, have you got a particular favourite that you insist on sharing with your friends and family whenever you can sit down and watch a movie with them? Well, it's difficult for me in a way because if I'm really forced uh, to choose I would choose Apocalypse Now which is a very long <laughs> film that, you know, a, yeah. you're going to get through a lot of crisps in that one yeah it's getting on for kind of three hours it's an odyssey uh, set in the Vietnam War for people who don't know it brilliant film uh, but at the same time it's not going to be for everyone so I kind of I prefer I prefer to say to, you've got to see this film everybody can watch this you know uh, so I, won't, I wouldn't force people to watch Apocalypse Now because it's quite bloody and, and difficult and complex <laughs> and that's alright if you're in the mood for that but uh, you know we've got some uh, fantastic films coming up on great movies uh, so, you know, for instance, uh, the, you know, Baby Driver. Now, Baby Driver is only a couple of years old. Mm -hmm. um, it had a kind of reasonably kind of low-key cast. It was directed by Edgar Wright, who made the films, uh, the Cornettos trilogy uh, with uh, Simon Pegg and the same, uh, same actors. And he has made this chase movie, which begins with a chase, and it's a heist, and it's a bank heist. I'm giving nothing away by telling you this. <laughs> the actual escape with this driver, he's called Baby because he's very young and he has tinnitus. So he has his headphones in. So he has music playing in his own head the whole time. And the gang come out with the with the with the loot from the from the bank and he, they jump in the car and off they go. And it is one of the it's a real proper old-fashioned car chase. So I highly recommend it. That's Baby Driver. And that, that is on great movies. So you must watch that if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, because you've got quite a choice of great movie channels. You've got great movies, which is on Freeview 33, Sky 321, Virgin 45 and Freesat 202. Uh, and these numbers go up uh, incrementally around the same sort of number. So I'll, I will shout them out. Great movies, classics, uh, Freeview 51, Sky 319, Virgin 324 and Freesat 303. Uh, on top of that, uh, great movies action. That's uh, Freeview 41, Sky 323, Virgin 46 and Freesat 305. Hopefully you're taking notes. Uh, and on top of that, they've got uh, great TV as well with some of those TV classics too. Freeview 49, Sky 157, Virgin 189 and Freesat 142. So there's some massive uh, shows and films on there. And so it, it is it's accuration as well because somebody else has gone, that's a great thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, there are people around. I mean, it was a big movie, Baby Driver, but maybe not as big a movie as it could have been. And if you just say it's that film where they have a bank heist at the beginning and instead of driving away with the other, um, the other thieves, the driver backs away. And so you've got a reverse car chase right at the beginning of the film. And this is right at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And it's set to this incredible rock and roll tune. 
by the John Spencer bluesy explosion. Don't worry, you've never heard of them. Not everybody <laughs> has, but boy, do they come up with a great way to start the film. So I, I, even if you only watch the beginning of Baby Driver on great movies, you'll do yourself a favour. Make sure you catch that. Well, can, uh, great movies we're looking for, I say, on all the platforms there. Uh, anywhere else we can go to for more information? Is there a listing online? Well, I mean, you've, you've already done my job for me, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Great Movies uh, is on Freeview 33, Sky 321, Virgin 425, and Freesat 302. I'm sure you'll find them. Look for that exclamation mark. That's my uh, that's my uh, advice. That's the important bit. Andrew yeah. Collins, scriptwriter, film critic, broadcaster, uh, all around nice fella, as long as he doesn't make you watch too many apocalypse films. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Thank you very much. I like the look of your uh, foliage there. It's very nice. <laughs> That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 624 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.